Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Praise be the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Welcome to another edition of Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Father James Gross, a priest of the Diocese of Fargo, joining you today from our studios in the near Southside Historic District of uh, slightly thawing Grand Forks, North Dakota, in uh, the heart of downtown. And I am joined, as always, today by my uh, partner here, my classmate, Father Jason Leffer. Good morning. Father Gross, it is great to be with you once again. You know, I was thinking, if we're not careful, people are going to designate North Dakota as a as a winter destination. You know, for we our weather has almost mm-hmm. been nicer than Texas. <laughs> you know, and um, I was thinking, you know, it's not so bad. We literally we only had about ten days of winter this year. We're we're coming out of the other side, and we're we're into days of glory. It feels like. Yeah, the last couple of weeks, I'm I'm not going to lie, have been have been pretty difficult. But but it's interesting when you have a high of five degrees above, and you think to yourself, "Gosh, this is feeling positively balmy." A couple of days ago, I looked at the weather map, the temperatures all mm-hmm. the way from the top of Canada to Mexico. Yeah, it, it was all Arctic air. Yeah, I mean, I've never seen something like that in my whole life. Yeah, it has been really a hardship for people, and a lot of a lot of folks in the north think, well, you know, how bad can it be? But when you th- think about uh, a culture in an area that is only used to very glancing blows of that, there are some of these cities in Oklahoma and Texas that not only set record lows for a given day, but these are some of the coldest temperatures of any day in any year in recorded history. I mean, the, the thing I immediately think of is all the bursting pipes, the water lines, the yeah. just your basic everyday. And it'll just shut you down, the traffic. I mean, it'll... Yes, yes. And many people running their vehicles in parked in parking lots and sleeping in their vehicles in order to have some sort of warmth. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's on my heart and my mind as we open this morning and thinking, you know, and there's an after effect of that. It doesn't, like, just because the temperature is warming up doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that those... There's consequences now. The power right. outages, the yep, and it, so yeah, really hold yeah. hold all that up in prayer. Yes, in addition to all of those personal intentions, we also are thinking of our fellow listeners. And as we do on every broadcast, I'd like to defer to you, Father Leffer, to lead us in a moment of prayer. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God, our Father in heaven, we praise you, we worship you, we adore you, we glorify you, we invoke your great glory upon us through the power of the Holy Spirit into our hearts, our minds, our imaginations, especially our ears, that we'd be open to hearing the word of God. Heavenly Father, we are very conscious of this awesome season of penitential season of Lent that is upon us, and um, uh, Jesus, who um, is headed out into that desert on, on behalf of us, showing us the way through repentance to you, Heavenly Father. We pray for uh, the fruitfulness of Lent and inspiration to to truly receive uh, the graces of this season. We ask all of this through Christ, 
our Lord, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You mentioned Lent, which began yesterday, of course, with the celebration of Ash Wednesday. A great many of us feel as though we have been in the midst of a long Lent, has um, abruptly, uh, in mid-March of last year, so many of these um, public events, whether it be of a secular or sacred nature, had just ground to a halt, and and step-by-step we're making our way back. But, you know, we've been thinking about uh, the well-being of people, um, our listeners, of all of those in our listening area, and we want to talk to a professional in this area, and so we have our first guest on the line, Dr. Kenneth Flanagan. Welcome to Real Presence Live. Well, good morning, fathers. It's nice being here with you this morning on, on this balmy spring day. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You know, what, what does it say about us when we're cheering for low temperatures above zero, you know? <laughs> well, you know, it's uh, three degrees out there, and I saw a couple of people with shorts on out there. It's, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, and, and not just high school-age boys, but uh, other people as well. <laughs> so, Dr. Flanagan, before we begin, it's it kind of been one of life's interesting coincidences. You and I had met each other about... Uh, 25 years ago, uh, of course, long before either of us ended up here. So if you can just uh, briefly tell us a little (laughs) bit about uh, uh, your background and and how you came to to this area. Okay, great. Well, I've been in North Dakota now for almost 12 years. um, And what brought me here to North Dakota was a faculty position in the Department of Social Work here at the University of North Dakota. That was in the fall of 2009. Previously, I had worked in a range of health and human service organizations and for a period of time had a private practice in Columbus, Ohio, where I was um, living at the time. Ohio is my home state and originally from Cleveland, but spent about 18 years in Columbus. It was during that time that I was doing some work at the Josephinum. So that is where our paths um, first cross, and now all these years later, here they cross again. Um, My graduate degrees are from The Ohio State University. My undergraduate degree is from Franciscan University of Steubenville, which at that time was the College of Steubenville. Mm -hmm. My wife and I are members of Sacred Heart Parish in East Grand Forks, and my wife is a kindergarten teacher at um, St. Michael's School. We have three adult children, and... um, we are enjoying um, our North Dakota winters, <laughs> Very especially good. this year. <laughs> then again, having grown up not far from Lake Erie, it's it's not all that right. different, right? <laughs> and and by the way, as a as a native Clevelander, uh, congratulations on the success of uh, your Browns for the first time oh, in in a number yes. of years, <laughs> decades. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's lifetime. let's not sugarcoat things. <laughs> How about a li- lifetime? <laughs> So it goes. they're like the North Dakota winners. You got to be tough. Well, you know we we can we can cons- console you because we have a lifetime of being Vikings fans. So yes. we we know what uh, consummate failure feels like. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Well, Doctor Flanagan, we have been looking forward to this conversation because um, you know I think for speaking for Father Leffer, uh, we as um, you know pastors and shepherds of souls have been interested in you know helping people the whole person be healthy and you know we've been hearing about a lot of various things that have been impacting people during the the course of the last few months so if you would just kind of in a general sense um, if you could share with us uh, some of the 
mental health effects that uh, you've been hearing either in uh, psychology or social work that clinicians have been noticing with the people they work with? Yeah, it's been a very interesting time. And like everyone, I've been attempting to cope with this new reality, which really was a sudden onset. We had no preparation for it. One day we're hearing about it, the next day we're shut down. Right. Um, and so that has had a major impact in our ability to just get our grounding and getting used to this new reality. You know, prior to this, I had thought, well, at my age, I've sort of probably experienced most things. There's not a whole lot new that's going to happen. And um, this has certainly been a new surprise for myself and, and others. Yeah. And it's hard to believe we're almost at that first year anniversary mark um, where this really began to unfold. But, you know, there's a number of common um, symptoms or behaviors that people um, have been uh, sharing. Um, and certainly in varying degrees, um, I myself have had to cope with as we deal with this reality. And they really are centered around this um, reality of anxiety. And across the nation, across the world, um, the word anxiety probably sums up what most people are experiencing. Mm -hmm. And thus, there's a, um, a great deal of uh, worry about the present and the future. And it's a more generalized worry. It oftentimes not something that's well-defined as, oh, I'm waiting for some test results um, that I've had, and I'm, I'm worried about that, or I've lost a job, and I'm worried about um, my income. It's more a generalized anxiety that is not well-defined. People reporting feeling uh, more agitated, more short, um, getting agitated at the store, why person checking out in front of them, talking to the cashier in the sense of, you know, I need to get out of here and, you know, stop small talk, um, let's get moving. People reporting a number of difficulties related to restlessness, fatigue, and sleep disturbances, and a lot of that is due to people working remotely now and having to adjust to new routines or not adjusting to new routines, difficulty concentrating. And even having some physical symptoms like body pains, headaches, stomach problems, so on and so forth. And um, the data showing that at least one-third of us are coping with this in a way that is um, impacting our functioning. And especially teens, um, a recent study revealed that about 56% of senior high students in the United States are reporting some real struggles in terms of anxiety and depression yeah. as well. Dr. Flanagan, could you, um, could you speak to the the whole topic of kind of learned conditioning? And w w why I'm bringing that up is, um, okay, so it was hard on us, to, and, you know, as Catholics especially, mm -hmm. we, we, we get into patterns of liturgy and Sunday worship practice and the same mass time or the same prayers, and we get comfortable, and that's not a bad thing necessarily. Um, but this, this rift happened, March uh, 17th or 19th says, okay, now, new rules and everything, and so people, so we've had, been at this a year now, and people have, it's interesting as a pastor to watch how different people have decided to deal with this new reality. And the ones I'm thinking of at the moment are those who, they disappeared in March, and they found out how to kind of survive on their own in a very kind of what I'd call a strong way, through strength in their own lives. And they've maybe through whatever various input have drawn some pretty strong conclusions about things. And 
and and basically it's it's almost as if it's almost like there's nothing that's going to change their mind about coming out or or coming back out and experiencing normal life and you know all of us we have concerns about are people going to come back to church when things are a little more normalized mm-hmm. and so forth and i mean can, can you speak to that person who boy they've just drawn some really strong conclusions and out of fear it doesn't even matter why but there they are and how as pastors are we supposed to reach out and encourage them or i mean i've made different efforts but i I have a suspicion that I have certain people that might not be coming back even when things are declared as okay. Yeah, and it's so rooted in this anxiety and this fear of the unknown. Um, You know, we all get comfortable in our routines, as you mentioned, and when those get disrupted, we we feel like we've lost our anchor. And so a lot of times, um, especially when we're working with people, say, in a treatment setting or therapeutic um, type of mode, you know, we use an approach known as cognitive behavioral therapy, where we begin to look at the pattern of thinking that they have and begin to challenge it from how you're looking at the situation now to how you could be looking at it. And that whole notion of reframing, looking at things differently, and I think that's going to be the big challenge for us now, because how do we come out of this? We know that the longer it goes on, the more we become at risk of developing new patterns of managing. And some of those are not really necessarily helpful. So how do we turn it around? And I think that for us um, as individuals, we can begin to think about what opportunities is this actually providing me to sort of what Pope Francis is talking about, sort of reset things, reprioritize not go back to the way it was, but look at how things could be in the future. And I think as Christians, and you, you were talking about Lent, and that whole story of the Exodus is really a story about liminality. And liminality simply means sort of a new phase or a transition, where you can't necessarily go back to the way it was, but you have no idea to where you're mm-hmm. headed. It's what the people of Israel felt out there in the desert, and they wanted to think about going back, but they were spent a lot of time in the state of not knowing what's coming. And so I think drawing on the Scriptures and using this period of Lent to really enter into what is God asking me to do? How does God want me to renew my mind, to look at things differently, to trust more? that this will work out because we know how it ends, but we don't know what that will look like and beginning yeah. to get comfortable with that. And that's all. We're not used to that. Right, it's right. a whole new way of looking at the world. I want to thank you, especially, Doctor, for uh, giving that uh, metaphor, you might say, of the uh, Hebrews during the Exodus as they're thinking back on their flesh pots and missing the leeks and the garlic and the onions and all the different yeah, things like that. Yeah, making me hungry, Father Gross. Stop, stop. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we can move off of this topic very quickly. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, as you mentioned, with cognitive behavioral therapy, it, it helps us to realize what soundtrack or what tapes are playing in our heads and, and where that's 
taking us and, and when we ask for God's grace and the freedom to overcome those things. So we're going to have to step away for just a moment, Dr. Flanagan, but uh, when we come back, we'll talk about how to manage uh, some of these fears, some of these emotions that people are experiencing in these last few months. We're visiting with Dr. Kenneth Flanagan on Real Presence Live. We'll be back right after this. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. SJ Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides quality machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, SJ Machine strives to understand and meet your production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. How do you know when someone may be contemplating suicide? I'm Father Chris Alar. This person will often exhibit certain warning signs, indicators such as their talk, like killing themselves or having no purpose in life, their behavior, like drug abuse, withdrawal from others, or abnormal sleep patterns, or their mood, like being depressed or having anxiety, can all be warning signs. So mental health professionals are now encouraging you to engage in dialogue with those who appear to be at risk. By talking openly about suicide, asking if they are okay, and listening to their feelings, you may save their life. To find out more, please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. The Mustard Seed Catholic Store is South Dakota's place to purchase Catholic books, gifts, and decor. With locations in Rapid City and Sioux Falls, we are here to provide you with gifts for the Catholic occasions in your life. From baptism to First Communion, confirmation to weddings, and ordinations, we pride ourselves in having local artists share their creative talents, making rosaries, crucifixes, artwork, coffee, and books. We are located in Rapid City on Main Street, in the new Diocesan Building, or in Sioux Falls on Grange Avenue across from Costco. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live as Father Jason Leffer and Father James Gross are joining you today from the Diocese of Fargo. Uh, Before we continue with our interview, I just want to say a special uh, personal word of thanks to the many of our friends throughout the uh, network who joined us uh, almost two weeks ago now at... um, Yeah, thereabouts at uh, the Delta Marriott Hotel in Fargo for a fundraising banquet. And um, Carlo Broussard, uh, the Cajun uh, apologist, was was there with us. It was a a wonderful crowd of people who had joined us, and we appreciate your generosity in supporting this important apostolate. Uh, We we invite you to to, uh, go to the website realpresenceradio.com in case you're looking at ways that you can continue to uh, support us with uh, your uh, financial gifts and your alms, especially during the time, the, this time of the season of Lent. 
And so we are visiting with Dr. Kenneth Flanagan, uh, who is uh, on the uh, faculty at the University of North Dakota here in Grand Forks. Um, so we're talking about a number of the different factors that have been weighing upon people uh, during this time. And I was reminded of something that uh, I heard Dr. Ray Gurendi say, um, a, a fellow native Ohioan, uh, a, as you. And he was talking about... Um, uh, something that occurred to him that there is a, a distinction between fear and phobia that on one hand you know it's important to think about uh, protecting oneself and health and self-preservation but at a certain point this turns into something that is you know I- irrational um can, can can you speak to that and just kind of how how you perhaps have been seeing that dynamic play out you know with the midst of in the midst of what we've been going through Yes, I think that that's a good differentiation between um, phobia and and fear, and that phobia is much more um, specific, fear is more generalized, and I think people are experiencing that more generalized um, notion of fear and about the future. There are some very simple behaviors that could be used to um, assist Because when we're fearful of the future, when we have anxiety, one of the things that we oftentimes feel is a loss of control. Um, And that can become detrimental over time. And so sometimes just things that sound so simple but yet can be very challenging to implement can really go a long way towards giving us a structure for us to start moving beyond this current malaise that we're in or the fear that we're experiencing. And they oftentimes deal very much with our nutrition, our sleep, and our exercise, our basic physical health, eating meals that are healthy and well-balanced, staying away from a high level of carb um, or comfort food that oftentimes they're known as, um, eating on a regular basis rather than um, just sort of eating throughout the day haphazardly, but really focusing on nutrition, establishing some new sleep routines in light of maybe having to work at home um, remotely or because of the situation, um, finding new patterns, but getting into a routine of sleep on a daily basis, so if it's 11 to 6 or whatever the case might be, that you really stick with that because over time that cycle of sleep is going to become very helpful in terms of managing moods, anxiety, so on and so forth. And exercising um, regularly. It doesn't have to be aggressive exercise, but just getting out and about and doing some walking a few times a week. The nice thing about having a milder winter up here this year is that at least there's not ice. You can bundle up and go out for a walk, which can really help because um, exercise uh, promotes endorphins, which increases that more positive mood within ourselves. Avoiding alcohol and substance use, and one of the things that we're noticing is that people are beginning to drift into higher rates of drinking, use of substances as a way to cope, sometimes because of boredom, because of worry, whatever the case might be. However, over time, that now creates another whole set of issues. So really avoiding alcohol and substance use and abuse. Most importantly, connecting with others. And that's challenging in this pandemic. But the more you can use Zoom or telephone people where you have direct contact as opposed to, say, social media where you're communicating through the 
just the screen and it's not direct, uh, will be beneficial. As a matter of fact, I was just reading a study that's looking at um, assisting with uh, maybe delaying the onset of dementia and some of these cognitive disorders in older adults. And it used to be maybe do some crossword puzzles or that, but that has proven to be effective. What seems to be most effective is social connectedness, that that really becomes a mm-hmm. protective factor. And right now, I think uh, engaging with people in a safe manner is so crucial. And this really could be a way in which people begin to change their mindset about maybe attending Mass in person or participating in um, activities at the church, that we do have to promote the social engagement um, as we move forward. You know, in establishing some new routines, some new activities, I was talking with a friend who decided to start a blog, doing some things that you maybe did not see yourself having the opportunity. And as Pope Francis says, use this as a reset, as a new way of what God might be asking um, me to do at this point in time. These are some very simple steps, yet challenging but they can go a long way towards offsetting um, some of that anxiety, that worry, that fear that people are getting trapped in. So, Dr. Flanagan, you know, going off that reset and that image you gave earlier about the the Israelites in the desert, um, I, I was wondering, you know, how much, like, this fear of death, or maybe it might become a phobia, like Father Gross is saying, the difference between fear and phobia, but how much of this can become a self-fulfilling prophecy like i you know a lot of those folks in the desert who ended up dying it was because of fear that they died mm-hmm. they they didn't trust god's word they didn't trust taking a risk to go into the promised land they didn't trust the food that he was giving he didn't trust you know and so those folks ended up actually the thing that they were afraid of which was it's going to be the death of us they died and and i'm actually thinking of some real life people i know who unable to get them to move or to re-engage or and, I'm, and it's because that they're afraid they're going to get sick and die and i'm looking at it saying well i think you're headed towards death because you are not resetting you are not re-engaging you, and do you have any any thoughts on that well you know <laughs> scripture talks about um the use of the tongue and sometimes what we say actually does come to pass because it really sets us up to think in a certain way that fulfills that, like you said, a um, self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, Romans um, 12, 1 and 2, talking about, let your mind be renewed. You know, put on the mind of Christ. Think differently about the situation. Can really be very beneficial in terms of influencing what we say and then what we do. So I think that it's important that we encourage people to um, think more positively uh, not watch a lot of news, limit the amount of information you're taking in, because that oftentimes becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, so I think there are some things that we can do that we could really assist with new ways of thinking and then new ways of saying things so we don't, <laughs> we talk words of life rather than death. And what would, a, what so would a healthy... Um, a healthy exercise of news media and taking in information with, you know, I'm thinking of Lent right now. It's probably a good time for all of us to give up mm-hmm. social media, news, or maybe not give it up, but fast it a little bit or something. But because I'm, I'm, 
you know, a lot of these folks who are isolated, or especially the older ones who are by themselves, they, they're doing news 24 hours a day, and, and it's just filled with fear. Absolutely. I think that uh, there was a study done that said we really should limit our news to about 20 minutes a day. Uh, right now that you're going to get the news that's important in about 20 minutes or news about the pandemic in about 20 minutes a day and the rest of the day the more you watch it's just going to repeat and reinforce so i think we really need to look at watching a new show as opposed to new shows um, as a way to begin to think um, in new ways and explore new opportunities rather than sitting in front of the screen um, and getting bombarded with these messages. Um, I do want to mention, though, because you did allude to it, um, there is this issue of grief that people are dealing with, and it's mm-hmm. um, grief that may be the result of loss of health, income, relationships, or the actual loss of a person, um, and that we have to be sensitive to people's needs to talk about that, um, to seek some assistance um, from others, maybe even professional, um, because the opportunities for those expressions of funeral rites and gatherings that oftentimes were buffers to allow people to move through the grieving process have been interrupted. And we have to come Mm -hmm. up with some new ways of assisting people through that whole process, because grief is a reality. And part of what we're dealing with is where, as you mentioned, um, mortality is real. And I think sometimes we sort of deluded ourselves that somehow science would just cure everything. But it doesn't, and it never will, and death is a part of life. And um, I think it's causing us to think more about that. Amen to that. I think that's a great place in which we can end our conversation. Unfortunately, we're running out of time, but Dr. Kenneth Flanagan, thank you so much for taking this time to visit with us, and blessings to you and your continued ministry. Thank you very much. I was glad to be here this morning. Very good. Take care. And, uh, thank you. Thank you. And it's also good to remember that there are a lot of remote or telehealth options in order to uh, speak with therapists and stuff that didn't exist many years ago, which I think has been something that has really helped to to bail people out in the course of the pandemic, too, with the remoteness of the the setting that we're living in. Well, we're going to step aside in just a moment here, but I want to give you our number, 877-795-0122, for our Straight Talk segment. Whatever questions you may have about the faith, uh, the burning questions that um, uh, you maybe didn't dare to ask. Now's the time to do it, and we'll look forward to visiting with you after this break. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 